This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. Find it now wherever you access your favorite podcasts. He's a God-fearing man with an impressive reputation as a commercial farmer in the Eastern Cape's rugged sheep and cattle country. So when he pitched a farming investment scheme promising high returns, many people in the community who knew him best jumped at the opportunity. And why wouldn't they? He was devout, trustworthy, one of them. They say Abur mark a plan, but in this case it's alleged the plan was about nothing more than self-enrichment. Govin headed to the Western Cape to track down the scheme's mastermind. When he started to do these things, he walked a lot with a Bible under his arm. They say, watch out for someone who walks with a Bible under his arm. You say you're a man of God. How can a man of God treat people like this? Why should we leave religion out of this? When you asked people to invest with you, you came with a Bible. It's a classic Ponzi scheme. It's all built on lies. Sheep farming country, where everyone knows everyone else. A religious community where people trust each other, shocked and in disbelief after one of their own left the most vulnerable among them in dire straits. On these streets, rumors abound about the dealings of a man who gave generously to the church, an infamous sheep farmer called Pete Becker. I was living in Alleval. I was a pastor there for, 20, uh, for 16 years. The area where we are is incredibly beautiful, Corbus. How did you end up here? I had an interest in water sports, and one of the townsfolk, I asked him if I can come and see his place, maybe use it for a weekend, and he said, why don't you buy it? So I bought it for a very reasonable price and started developing it. Now it's a home for my wife and me. There's a perception of farming towns having a great sense of uh, loyalty to one another, that it's a tight-knit community. Is that what you found there? Yeah, there's a brotherhood. I guess that brings us to Pete. I mean, what kind of place did he have in that community? And how was he perceived? He was serving the uh, recreational services and he came to our church and then the starting up of the former farming business, being there for him as a friend, as a pastor. And this is where our investigation begins. He heard I had a property in the city and he said, sell the property and let me help you. I'll make sure everything is fine for your days. I sold the property and I took it out of savings and bought the cattle. Pete used an age-old agricultural investment system. Pastor Corbus Kutzer bought 100 cows and 250 ewes, with Pete providing the land, fodder and general upkeep. They agreed to split the profits on the sale of the calves and lambs, and when older animals or original stock died or was sold, Pete agreed to replace them or pay Corbus back. The original stock is like capital in a bank paying out interest. That money is ring-fenced always safe. Pete promised big payouts, better than what a bank could offer. It was investing in my future. 
I met him on the shooting range. So trust was born. We were target shooters for the Free State team, and later we achieved our Springbok clothes together. Around the same time, Piet made the same offer to longtime friend Martin van Jaarsveld. He already asked me then if I would be interested in his system. To buy the cows, Martin used money he'd saved to send his children to university. Piet was a friend. What could go wrong? He said as the cows grow old, he would try and sell that cow and buy another to replace it. Martin later bought a hundred sheep, and this is where things started falling apart. Piet paid out the value of eight cows, but Martin never saw his sheep. For my sheep, I never, never, never received any money. He owes me 242,000 rand. Piet never showed Pastor Kobus his animals either. I don't believe he even bought the cattle he said he was part of. He never granted me the honor to say that's what I bought. He said I must be patient, that it was raining too much, then it was too dry, then his wife was sick. More investors were lured in. Not the wealthy, but ordinary, hard-working, trusting people like Dawn Deploy and her now deceased husband, Vimpy. While they were scouting for a farm in the area, Piet offered a helping hand. Or so they thought. My husband and I were camping in our caravan at Kharib Dam while we were looking for a farm. Then Pete Becker told us we should camp on his farm. When they eventually found a farm, they bought cattle, which Pete suggested should be delivered to his farm. Like Kobus and Martin before them, they closed the deal. We bought 202 cattle at a value of over 1 million rand. To tell which investors owned which stock, the animals were fitted with coloured ear tags. Instead of a profit share increasing yearly, Pete paid Dawn and Vimpy a monthly stipend. When my husband died in 2020, I said to Pete, you better not cheat me. He said... Auntie, the Bible says you mustn't cheat a widow. Dawn was around one of 30 investors. One of them, who doesn't want to be named, had over 9 million rand tied up in the scheme. Fed up with the excuses, the investor sent an agent to inspect his stock on Pete's farm. Not a trace of the animals could be found. It was time to turn to the courts. Early this year, advocate Fritz Janse van Rensburg applied to have Piet's assets possessed. It's the same modus operandi with all the investors that, that we've consulted, and that is that he, he always has an excuse why he cannot pay at that stage or why he can't entertain any visitations on the farm, but mostly that it was a drought for, for many years, and then obviously after that we had some floods. Pete's sequestration collapsed what seemed to have been a Ponzi scheme. Pensioners like Kobus, Dawn and Martin lost their life savings. 
So now I'm a Sasa pensioner. And uh, I got to thank Pete for that. At almost 70, Dawn had to look for a job. She's now a caretaker at a school hostel. I sold all my furniture in my house to cover monthly costs I need to survive. Now I have no furniture left. And I kept my car that I have to pay monthly, but my income is not enough. Assets in Pete's name are being auctioned off to pay back the investors and a curator has been appointed to count stock. By law, Pete must declare everything he owns. It was an ideal opportunity to confront a man known to be elusive, to ask where the animals are, and if they're gone, what's happened to the money? Our cameras were rolling. We pounced while he was assessing farm equipment with the curator. Pete would be sticking to his guns, offering his well-worn excuses. We had droughts from 2012. He deems the legal action taken by advocate van Rensburg unfair. These men, sir, but no van Sasa grants Those people who are living off Sasa grants, that's because of van Rensburg. They froze everything. I can't do anything. I don't have any money. Last week, I couldn't even buy a packet of salt. The livestock died. We couldn't get blue tongue vaccines. The jackals, the caracals, stock theft. We had a flood. All the fences, the bridges. I will show you the videos. The cattle washed away. I can't take you to the carcasses. They took my bucky. This is like Texas. There are no roads there. About 118 drowned. The river took them all. In court papers filed, his reasons were even more interesting. One investor heard that 16 cattle got stuck in mud and drowned. Four cows and two heifers fell down cliffs and slopes. And three cows died after eating tulips. Please pray, he would tell his investors. Farming is hard. Let's leave religion out of this. No, no, they approached me and said they wanted to invest. They all came to me, as far as I can remember. However it happened, there should have been nearly 12,000 sheep and 700 cattle in his care. In total, Pete declared just 245 sheep and 21 cattle to the curator. But the plot thickens. Pete doesn't only operate in his own name or through his Pete Becker Trust. There's another entity called Eindhoven Consulting. Mr. Becker is residing on a farm called Abbotsan, which is registered in the name of Eindhoven Consulting, which is a closed corporation. Most of the members of this closed corporation live overseas, and Pete appears to run the operation, something he denies. I have nothing. I have been sequestrated. I'm trying to get a job at Eindhoven or whatever. They can also fire me. I need to get a job. I have three small children. I have to eat, sir. Yes, I did buy a new bucky after I was sequestered. 
The bank granted me the money because I need a cruiser to farm in the mountains. The Bidbecker Trust, of which he is a trustee, owns a 30% share of Eindhoven. And this is how Piet seems to have blurred the lines. Piet allegedly duplicated invoices for transactions of stock bought to reflect his own name and that of Eindhoven. By doing this, he secretly moved livestock bought by investors into Eindhoven. All the funds of these specific investors in the application was paid into Mr. Becker's personal bank account. So if he bought the livestock in his own name, that is the invoice he would show the investor, not telling the investor that the same invoice was actually cancelled and credited to Eindhoven. Piet's assets were attached, but assets in Eindhoven were safe. When 1,000 sheep were discovered on Abbot's Anne, Piet declared none of them as investor stock. That farm was pretty. It had a lot of lucerne. In the evenings, we loaded lucerne to take to storage. We worked until 12 at night. He still owes me the overtime. But the truth, they say, will eventually out. In this case, the facts come courtesy of Daniel Nkonona, a former farm worker on Abbot's Anne. One night, shortly before his sequestration, Pete allegedly gathered the 1,000 sheep on Abbot's Anne. He told us to take the yellow and blue tags off the ears. There were big blue tags and he told us to replace them with small blue tags. Some of these sheep may have belonged to his investors. Question is, did Pete change the tags of the same herd all the time? Suddenly we had to work at night to change the tags. They said there were people coming that Monday. That's why the boss is in a hurry to change the tags. Piet told the curator that all 1,000 sheep belong to Eindhoven. It seems that that farm has been developed over the past few years, at the time when these investors invested this money. In total, investors are owed at least 40 million rand, a figure that could rise as more investors come forward. They're claiming against Piet's estate, and Eindhoven is under scrutiny. Millions of rands are involved. When the case concludes, I don't know how many cents I will see of a rand. If he steal to satisfy the soul when he's hungry, he shall give all the substance of his house. For Pastor Quibus, it's vital to stop it before he attempts to reinvent the scheme. There's not just one pit in this world. There's a lot of pits who can't, they are untouchable. They think, but God never sleeps. Pete denied all allegations made against him. He says his investors have received returns for years. He maintains that he is only an employee of Eintwiffen and denies that the invoices were duplicated or manipulated. He further claims that there were small mistakes that have been corrected. Pete also denied that he operated at night and that he moved animals from his farm without the knowledge of his investors. He says that he has not changed the tags on the animals 
and denies the allegations that this is a Ponzi scheme. Thanks for listening. Why not share Carte Blanche, the podcast, with family and friends, even those living overseas? They can find us on Spotify and all major platforms.